quiet. And at last, Uncle Silas, looking kind of foolish, fishes up that spoon out of his pocket. She stopped with her mouth open and her hands up. And as for me, I wished I was in Jerusalem or somewheres. But not long, because she says, It's just as I expected. So you had it in your pocket all the time. And like as not, you've got the other things in there, too. How'd it get there? I really don't know, Sally, he says, kind of apologizing. Oh, you know I would tell. I was a-studying over my text in Acts 17 before breakfast, and I reckon I put it in there, not noticing, meaning to put my testament in. And it must be so, because my testament ain't in. But I'll go and see, and if the testament is where I had it, I'll know I didn't put it in. Now it will show that I laid the testament down and took up the spoon and— Oh, for the land's sake, give a body a rest. Go long now, the whole kitten milin' of you. And don't come nigh again till I've got back my peace of mind. I'd have heard her if she said it to herself, let alone speaking it out. And I got up and obeyed her if I'd been dead. As we was passing through the setting room, the old man, he took up his hat, and the shingle nail fell out on the floor. He just merely picked it up and laid it on the mantel shelf, never said nothing, and went out. Tom see him do it, remembered about the spoon, and says, Well, it ain't no use to send things by him no more. He ain't reliable. Then he says, But he done us a good turn with the spoon anyway, without knowing it. So we'll go and do him one without him knowing it. Stop up his rat holes. There's a noble good lot of them down cellar, and it took us a whole hour. We'd done the job tight and good and ship-shape. Then we heard steps on the stairs and blowed out our light and hid. And here comes the old man with a candle in one hand and a bundle of stuff in the other, looking as absent-minded as year before last. He went up mooning around, first to one rat hole, then another, till he'd been to them all. Then he stood about five minutes, picking tallow drip off his candle and thinking. Then he turns off slow and dreamy towards the stairs, saying, Well, for the life of me, I can't remember when I'd done it. I could show her now that I weren't to blame on account of the rats, but never mind, let it go. I reckon it wouldn't do no good. And so we went on a mumbling upstairs. Then we left. He was a mighty nice old man. That always is. Tom was a good deal bothered about what to do for a spoon, but he said we'd got to have it. So he took a thing. When he ciphered it out, he told me how we was to do. Then we went and waited around the spoon basket till we see Aunt Sally coming. Then Tom went to counting the spoons and laying them out to one side. And I slid one of them up my sleeve. And Tom says, Why, Aunt Sally, there ain't but nine spoons yet. She says, Go along to your play and don't bother me. I know better. I counted them myself. Well, I've counted them twice, Annie, and I can't make but nine. She looked all out of patience, but of course she come to count. Anybody would. I declare to gracious there ain't but nine. She says, Why, what in the world? Plague take the things. I'll count them again. So I slipped back the one I had. When she got done counting, she says, Hang the troublesome rubbish. There's ten now. Then she looked huffy and bothered both. But Tom says, Why, Auntie, I don't think there's ten. You numbskull, didn't you see me count them? I know, but... Well, I'll count them again. So I smooched one, and there came out nine, same as the other time. Well, she wasn't a tearing way, just a trembling all over. She was so mad. But she counted and counted till she got that addled. She'd start to count in the basket for a spoon sometimes. And so, three times they come out right, and three times they come out wrong. Then she grabbed up the basket and slammed it across the house and knocked the cat galley with. She said, clear out and let her have some peace. Did we come bothering around her again betwixt that and dinner, she'd skin us. So we had the odd spoon and dropped it in her apron pocket while she was a-giving us our sailing orders. And Jim got it all right, along with her shingle nail, before noon. We was very well satisfied with this business. Tom allowed it was worth twice the trouble it took. "'cause he said now she couldn't ever count them spoons twice alike again to save her life. "'Wouldn't believe she counted them right if she did. "'Said that after she'd counted her head off for the next three days, "'he'd judge she'd give it up and offer to kill anybody "'that wanted her to ever count them any more.'
So we put the sheet back on the line that night, stole one out of her closet, kept on putting it back and stealing it again for a couple of days, till she didn't know how many sheets she had anymore, and she didn't care. And it warn her going to bully rag the rest of her soul out about it. And wouldn't count them again not to save her life. She'd rather die first. So we was all right now, as to the shirt and the sheet and the spoon and the candles, by the help of the calf and the rats and the mixed-up counting. And as to the candlestick, it wore no consequence. It would blow over by and by. But that pie was a job. We had no end of trouble with that pie. We fixed it up away down in the woods and cooked it there. And we got it done at last and very satisfactory, too. But not all in one day. We had to use up three washpans full of flour before we got through. And we got burnt pretty much all over in places. And I was put out with the smoke. Because, you see, we didn't want nothing but a crust. We couldn't prop it upright. She would always cave in. But, of course, we thought of the right way at last, which was to cook the latter, too, in the pie. So we laid in with Jim the second night.